Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, hello there, and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I'm Kate Spencer. And I am Dori Shafrir. And we're not experts. We're not. We're two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. And hello. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, everybody. Um... I think we're going to kind of just get right into it today because we had such an amazing conversation with our guest, Allison Davis, who is just so cool and wrote the story that everyone has been talking about for New York Magazine. Um, so, yeah, so let's just let's just introduce her. Let's leap right in. I mean, we okay. should say she has written... Like, if anyone is writing the stories that we are all sending to each other and gabbing about, it is Allison. Truly. It really like is. Her, her work is so amazing and just really kind of at the pinnacle, the forefront of pop culture and, I would say, culture. Okay. So, mm. let's get into it. Okay. Here okay. you go. Here we go. Excuse me. Um, so, Allison is a writer. She writes mostly for magazines, but is also works in TV and film. Her profiles, features, and essays regularly appear, regularly appear in New York, Esquire GQ, California Sunday, Elle, and the New York Times. Her profile of Lena Dunham won a 2019 front page award, and the essay Tinder Hearted, a live journal entry masquerading as a feature, was a National Magazine Award finalist. But none of that will ever overshadow her one true achievement as a writer. Helping the terms BDE, yes, that's big dick energy, and vibe shift become so overused, your grandmother might say it. For TV, she's written for Fleischman is in Trouble on FX and season two of Hulu's Tell Me Lies, among others. And she says she's looking for more horny and twisted shows to write on. She's also very slowly currently working on a book of essays about sex. And her most recent piece, about childless adults and adults with children and the strain and challenges of friendships together and how those relationships grow is currently out now. You probably read her profile of Meghan Markle. I mean, she has just, she's done it all and yet 
I can't wait to see what else she does. Ooh, yes. Love that. So without further ado, we are going to hop right into our conversation with Allison. Although I will say before we do that, you can, of course, check out our website, forever35podcast.com for links to everything we mentioned on the show. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash forever35, where you can watch video recordings of our episodes at our $10 tier. You can also get ad-free episodes at that tier. Um, And if you want to reach us, you can call us at 781-591-0390 or email us at forever35podcast at gmail.com. And now for real, here is Allison. Welcome to Forever 35. We are very excited to have you on the show today. You are, I would say, one of our generation's most prolific writers. So this is like, uh, this is a true honor. Well, prolific, I feel like just implies that she's like writing constantly. Mm, I mean, writing fantastically. Yeah, I feel like you are... (laughs) Like it's like, ooh, a new Allison Davis article just came yes, out. Like it's like exactly an event. It's very exciting. So we're oh, we're so excited to have you on the show. So thank you for thank coming you on. guys. I'm already so like oh, you're making me blush already. That's, uh, <laughs> any anytime someone uses the word like generation anywhere near the vicinity of writer or like a byline, I I'm, I automatically feel like a girl's episode. So. Yeah. <laughs> We'll try not to do any other girls episodish things in this podcast, although maybe just podcasting feels very girls, so we could be in it. Um, <laughs> we always start by asking our guests about a self-care practice that is important to them and that can you know, be absolutely anything. But is there something that you do that you consider self-care in your day-to-day life? Yes. Well, there are two things. Um, one, I... I like hate admitting it, but there's this um, manifestation course called To Be Magnetic that I found through uh, a friend of mine, but also it's on Goop. It was like Goopified. So I'm not the only one out there doing this, but it's this like woman named Lacey who has a whole course of meditations to help you unblock the neural pathways from like of, of the obstacles that keep you from getting the life you want. And it's so so woo woo and so so like I hate admitting to doing it, but the meditations really help. So I try and do those like almost every day in the morning wow. when I first wake up. The peg for this interview is this big article you just wrote for New York magazine. Um a cover story about what happens when your friends start having kids and you do not have kids. Um, Kate and I both really enjoyed reading the article and I think had a lot of thoughts and questions about it. Um, (laughs) And I guess we're, we're both kind of just wondering like, when did it come to you that this was more than just kind of like a feeling that you were having and actually Mm. something that you wanted to go deep on journalistically um i don't know like all of these stories man like sometimes you just run out of ideas to write about things and you have quotas but, but in there yes <laughs> yeah. but, i don't know i just feel like i was i, I generally i have a really a really good and like close and maybe too close relationship with my editor genevieve smith and oftentimes and like we're sort of looking at the year ahead we'll just get lunch and talk about 
our lives too. And so then when I start ranting about things, she'll generally say like, well, that seems like it could be a story. And then she'll sort of toss it around the office and see if people get jazzed about it too. Mm. And I'm, I'm, when it comes to like, things that are more personal essay or like uh first person. Yeah. I'm never, I'm never sure that like it should be a, a story this big or that it deserves mm. all those gen- journalistic integrity. And sometimes it just feels like a live journal thrown on into a magazine. But once I started reporting um and it felt like so much, so many people had so much to say, it felt a little bit more like worth the, the deep dive. Also, it's just like a question that I had for myself. How do I make sure that I'm not, um, torpedoing all my friendships by being a, a brat about their babies. So uh, if I'm asking, somebody else has to be asking, but yeah. I think everybody's asking, right? Like it, I, it, I'm a parent of two kids and Dory's a parent and it really resonated with me. And I think it's a conversation that like, as you mentioned, people without kids have with each other and people with kids have with each other. But like ne'er the two shall meet, but you know, like now you're, you've put them side by side in a way that I think is really important of kind of digging into what is happening when some people decide to have children, some don't. And that, how are we secretly feeling about the other? Um, Because there is a lot of pain and misunderstanding and sadness and grief and frustration that kind of enters those friendships. And I I I loved how you put this into word person into words personally with your own experience, but also through the people that you interviewed. Um was there anything that kind of came up for you, whether about your own relationships or what you learned that really surprised you in these conversations? Well, you know, I think I'm not even sure if this made it in there, but I had this conversation with this um one woman, Tasha, who I thought was great. And she's like more on, on my side of things and uh, doesn't have kids, feels sort of like, where are all my friends going? And the way that she sort of talked about her experiences and like the, the, the grief with which she was like, I mean, a lot of these interviews, even the most like like hilarious ones ended up being sort of therapy sessions. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. how, does, how does a real therapist do this all day, every day? Um, I'm so tired. <laughs> but I, I feel like she's had this thing about um, feeling trapped by nostalgia. And mm. like when she hangs out with her friends that have kids and she's not in the same place as them, instead of talking about their lives honestly as they are now, they all sort of revert back to like, remember when? Or like, remember when we used to do this coffee thing? Or like, go to this bar, go dancing. And it makes her feel um, like nobody sees her and like she can't see her friends clearly. And then I thought about like how much honesty it takes to say like, well, talking about the same three stories is like not doing us any good. Let's just like move on and, and admit that maybe we're not meant to be friends right now or we are, but we have to like be a little bit more honest about things. That was just really eye opening because you think nostalgia is such like a, like a joyous thing. Like we're just reminiscing and it's the good times yeah. and we'll feel all warm and fuzzy. But really her pointing out as a trap and, and a limitation was pretty eye opening. Well, and something else you just said kind of also resonated with me, which is this idea of like, maybe friendships are meant to kind of ebb and flow. Like maybe there are seasons of life where we're going to be closer with certain people and then not as close and then closer with other people. And that's okay. And I think we've kind of, I should speak for myself. I've kind of gotten into this 
maybe trap of being like, oh, well, I haven't talked to her in year, you know, three years. Guess we're not friends anymore. When it's like, maybe we just weren't friends for those three years. And like, maybe we will be friends again. Like, you mm. know what I mean? Instead yeah. of just kind of like writing all of this off. Um, so, huh, that's like, sorry, I like just had this, <laughs> just had this realization, which perhaps everyone has already had. Um, but yeah, I mean, one well, no, thing- I- oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say it, it is disconcerting when friendships sort of like ebb and flow. Yeah. Because- we we opt into friendships like mm, like totally. yes friendships are sticky and you build up history and like, the history means something and it's like so nice to be with people who have a full like like encyclopedia of of you instead of like newer friends who are just like learning things and there's a shorthand but we still opt in and you can still yes. sort of say like that was a nice time who knows if it will ever come back and it's easier just to sort of like find new ways to fill the space than think about what it would mean to come back together you know Sorry, I cut you off. But. No, no. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I think all of these, all of these things are, are, I guess, are things that like you just kind of figure out as a grown up, maybe. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> so we're just going to take a short break, and we will be right back. You know, one thing I think is really kind of interesting about skin, my skin, but all skin, is that like. What it needs now in my 40s is not what I needed in my 30s. Totally. Definitely not what I needed in my 20s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like, how are you supposed to know what your skin needs? It's hard. It's hard to know. Especially when there's just like so many products out there. The overwhelm is real. It's a struggle to even know how to get the results you want, what products to start with. This is why we're super excited to partner with Apostrophe. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed medications that are clinically proven to help. I have used Apostrophe. I love it. They will pair you with a board-certified dermatologist who literally creates a personalized treatment plan for your skin. I have done this a few times now. It is so easy to do their online consultation. You upload photos and like within a few weeks, I had done a consultation and received my treatment plan and my product. Amazing. And that is how I became a Tretinoin gal. I love the Tretinoin that they sent me. I love their sunscreen. Both products have been amazing on my skin. And you, Forever 35 listeners, can get a special deal from Apostrophe. You can get your first visit for only $5. That's at apostrophe.com slash forever35 when you use our code forever35. Now, that is a savings of $15. I like that. This code is only available to Forever 35 listeners. So to get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash forever35 and click get started. And then use our code forever35 at sign up and you will get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. I am the first to admit that gift giving is not easy for everyone. It's taken me a long time to become like a halfway decent gift giver. But what I have learned is that the best way to win the gift giving game is to gift memories. Ooh. And you know how you do that, Kate? I'm I'm ready. I'm listening. The Aura digital Mm -hmm. frame Mm -hmm. preloaded with decades of family photos. We have gifted this to many people. 
And when you gift this, your family will love looking back on childhood memories and seeing what you're up to today. Even better, with unlimited storage and an easy-to-use app, you can keep updating the frame with new photos. So it's really the gift that keeps on giving. It's super easy to set up. It takes literally two minutes. You download the app. You set up the Wi-Fi. Boom. Boom. You're good to go. Yep. We have given this to my parents. We've given Mm -hmm. this to Matt's parents. Mm -hmm. Same, same. It's so easy because you can add photos from the app like anytime you want. And also like my brother has the app so he can add photos from his family. My sister has the app so she can add photos. My parents also have it. So they also add their own photos. That is one of the coolest parts I think of the Aura Frame is that everybody can contribute. Yes. I love that about uh, we have two aura frames in our house i have Ooh. one in my office and yeah and one in our family room and do my they kids have, love it do they have the same pictures on them no they have different pictures <gasps> Ooh, mm-hmm. oh that's interesting maybe i should get one from my office i'm looking at a picture of my in, children right now right interesting mm-hmm. hmm. putting that away for later store that Yes. Uh, the Aura app lets you share photos more securely than with email, which is what many other digital frames require. And also, then you're not taking up your email storage. So, win-win. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Forever 35 listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code FOREVER35 at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, look, I don't know about you, but when I hold on to some negative feelings, it really starts to impact my day-to-day. I get a little snippy and short with the people in my life. Things start to really feel overwhelming. And look, it's just generally not great for me or for the people that I am interacting with. And I do find that my time in therapy is a real safe space to get those things off my chest and figure out how to work on and work through things that are weighing on me Mm. or maybe weighing on you. For example, like I have actually really been working on mindfulness in therapy Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Easier said than done, but that's the work, right? Like just learning about kind of like really creating a breathing practice and paying attention to my physical body and my feelings. Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and to learn productive coping skills. If you're thinking about trying therapy, Try BetterHelp. It's convenient and accessible anywhere because it is 100% online. All it takes to get started is filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you're not vibing with the therapist, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Forever35 today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Forever35. I think it's safe to say that we have suffered through bras. We've been uncomfortable in them. We've Ugh. devoted whole episodes to finding good ones. But I'm here to say enough is enough. 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 I've I mean, drawn the line. Dory, have I ever told you? Have I ever told you what I did in college when oh. I needed a bra to wear with a fancy dress? What? I cut the top of pantyhose and then I duct taped that to my chest. Oh. 
Sounds uncomfortable. Because <laughs> I, I didn't have honey love when I was in college. No. Well, we are here to say no more being uncomfortable. With no. Honey, no. With Honey Love's bras, you will wonder why it took so long to make something so comfortable and so supportive. There's no underwire, but through some kind of wonderful magic, they managed to not sacrifice lift. All while making it in a fabric that's so comfortable, you barely know it's there, especially the crossover bra. I wear one of these almost every day. I'm wearing one right now because it's so comfortable and it easily fits into my life. But if you like a breathable and versatile legging, Honey Love has you covered on that front too. Plus, they have tanks, shapewear, and their V-bra that has molded cups still without the underwire to keep mm-hmm. you from getting that dreaded uniboob effect other more relaxed bras tend to give you. So treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After your purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we send you. Treat yourself to Honey Love because you deserve it. Uh, now I'm having a realization as a parent I, when in talking about coming back to these friendships is in my brain, speaking of narcissism, I'm like, well, now I'm ready. My kid's this age. But I've al- often neglected to remember that the other person has grown and had transformative experiences in, in their life that just don't involve having kids. Yeah. And acknowledging that, I think, is something I need to think about. Oh, wow. I love hearing awesome. that you've learned. Look, yeah, this is a really learning. We're growing. <laughs> <laughs> Have your uh, friends, uh, your like your friend group, because you you bring your own personal experience into this in a way that I just really loved. Have you talked to them about this piece, and what do you anticipate kind of the reaction being amongst the people in your life who who you mention and who this is kind of about in a way. Well, my friend Grace, who, who Dory knows, just sent me a text. Oh, Kate knows like, her too. Oh my gosh. Oh, okay, yeah. Too. Yeah. I know so Grace. Grace is, yeah, Grace is one of my very good friends from, from college. And uh, she was actually among the first to have a kid. But since she lives in LA and I live in New York, I didn't feel it quite as much, you know. Um, but she just sent me a text right before I got on that said, uh, <laughs> now I know what it feels like to be one of Taylor Swift's exes. Just like, <laughs> I was like, oh, you weren't even... I promise it's not even, you're not even in here. <laughs> but like um, the idea of her is in here, right? Like, yes, the idea of her is yeah. in here. And all of my friends. But just as an ethical journalist, I did talk a lot about, uh, I talk, did talk to my friends a lot about what was going to be included before. And especially my friend Liz, who sort of ended up being like the backbone friendship mm. of the piece. We had a lot of chats and I took her and another friend out to lunch on the magazine's dime to like help with reporting. So I tried to like really make it part of the process so that when the cover dropped, nobody was like, what the hell, Allison, you know? So hopefully I'm not going to get any of those uh, texts or emails, but I've been sort of dissociating all day. So I don't know what's going on. People could be hating. (laughs) I have no clue what's going on. Um, One thing that you wrote in the piece that I wanted to kind of unpack a little bit more, if, if if that's okay, um, is when you are talking about how at one point um, recently nine of your friends were pregnant and that you have like, you're able to like pick up on all the signals now, you know, maybe yeah. the drink orders are changing, like, you know, all that mm. kind of stuff. And that you 
say that you say, I felt judged as if my friends were treating my decision to remain child free as transitional. Um, mm. So let's talk about that. I mean, is that, is that, <laughs> is that a conversation that you have had with your friends? Um, do you think they are actually judging you? Is this projection? Like, what is this about? It's probably mostly projection. I don't, maybe. I don't know. I think yes and no, right? Right. Both yeah. things can be yeah. true. Yeah. I'm I'm projecting and I'm being judged. I feel like, you know, my friends, like any good friends, want me to have whatever it is I want out of life. And uh and because like they're so happy with their decisions to have children and they love their lives with their kids and their their partners so much. And sometimes, you know, of course, I like, I'm like, oh, do I want this? Oh, do I want that? Uh, They just sort of offer up a way that's like, if it's something you want, there are ways for you to get it. Mm -hmm. But it does, it does feel like. As though you've never thought about that before, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) As as if it's news to me that like I could do it. And so in those moments, it, it, and, and it feels like. I guess maybe they don't quite understand that it's not just sort of like, maybe I'll have a tuna salad sandwich, but like the, mm. the, the reason I'm not having a tuna salad sandwich is because I don't have bread. Like it's not about that. Yeah, it's like, right. I just don't know how I feel about tuna. And yeah. um, I think when you're so happy and, you, and, and you're so, you've made one decision, it's very hard to think that somebody might not have any desire to make the same one. I think it's true of like anything, you know, getting married, like getting on date. I don't know. Like there's just, I think people, when they're confident in their decisions, they they see a way forward to happiness for you too. And that's all they want for me as their friend. So I, I do feel like people in my life wonder, is she just saying that because she doesn't have bread? Quote unquote. Right. There's, a, yeah. there's like a metaphor. In there I mean, uh, that's, I feel like you're, bread is. that's like a, I, I don't know. That feels like a generous way of framing it because I think also, yes, this feeling can come from confidence of like them wanting you to be happy, but it can also come from insecurity of like yes. them needing you yes. to like reaffirm their decision. And this idea that like you are not doing what they're doing is maybe a and little why? scary for them. Right. Like yeah. why, like what choice, what do you see that they don't? And maybe they're not that happy. Right. Like maybe they are struggling and it's like, well, I need affirmation in my choices. So I kind of see both sides of it there. Yeah. I mean, well, your, maybe of- maybe my friends are like more insecure and your friends are coming out from a place of security. <laughs> no, it's just like I'm sure I'm pissing my friends off enough this week. Uh, so maybe I'm just going to give them the most generous read possible. No, but I agree that like you do want confirmation that you've done the right thing. And, and uh, you know, not to say like me not having a kid or me deciding like vocally that I don't want a kid is some sort of revolutionary decision. It's not. It's just like it's a combination of like very mundane choices right. that led to one big choice. But it's true that anything that sort of feels like against your own personal yes. status quo can feel very much like a challenge or a confrontation or a judgment on my side, where I know that sometimes I said to friends like, or maybe I've implied, I don't think I've ever directly said in the way that I have talked about other people to them or just like my life in general, that like I um, might be judging them for being so conventional or judging them for wanting like the nuclear family or being so heteronormative. Mm-hmm. So like it does go both ways where I'm sure that I've been a little self-righteous in my like, I went to Barnard. This is why I like this, mm-hmm. you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but you you also really capture, I think, 
the the envy like and and you describe it so perfectly that feeling of like you can just choose whatever day you want as a or or the perception as a person with kids is that the people in their lives without kids are just they're just having their day like they can yeah. just they can eat at midnight they can eat at 7 they can like go, take a nap you know that kind of that well, this freedom just came up there was just out did you guys have you guys heard about this whole thing where this woman um, made a TikTok about like what she did as a single woman. Yes, and like all the conservative bloggers went. Yes, nuts. like freaked out. Yeah. And that I mean that felt like you know patriarchy, um, which is like a whole other aspect of this. I can see all these pieces kind of floating around. There's all these different kind of cultural touch points happening, but uh, the connection I'm not really sure about. Um, and and that is just thinking kind of like the larger thoughts about parenthood and how we view children and how we support or don't support parents and mothers and all these things kind of come into play in part of the conversation, but they're harder to dig into. And so I think sometimes it's easier to be like, ooh, trad wives and not yeah. like, ooh, the, you know, the maternal death rate. You know, it's just easier to, you know, yeah, exactly, right? It's it's yeah, it's hard to dig into this stuff. I, I don't know. I don't know if I have an answer either. But then it's interesting because, like, you know, some of the reasons that I don't want kids is like I'm terrified to give birth as like a black woman, and you hear like, you know, like sometimes I th- I, I know, <laughs> but I told my dad he's a doctor, and I was like, I was like, Dad, I I can't believe it's really that bad. And he was like, Yeah, no, it's really that bad. And I was like, If mm-hmm. Beyonce and like Serena Williams aren't safe to give birth and not yeah. almost die, like I have no, who you're just some doctor at a hospital in Baltimore. You can't protect me, you know. Like, mm-hmm. So I feel like the the like the societal decks are stacked against me so much mm-hmm. in terms of thinking about do I want to become a mom? Do I want to maybe almost die in a hospital, even though it's like we live in America? Do I? want to bring a child into the world when it's like melting all the time and or flooding and or catching on fire and or freezing weirdly. Like there's like all these really big questions that I can see as an inflection point for like rushing towards trad wife or like rushing towards like, I'm never going to procreate, you know? And um, it's just like a really weird time, I guess. And nobody knows what to do. So you just have to do what makes you happiest. And for some people that's nestling a baby, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um. Allison, I wanted to also ask, like, in an ideal world, how do you want your friends with kids to show up for you? And how do you ideally want to show up for them? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I asked everybody that I interviewed that at the very end. And it's like hard. It's sometimes you have such a vague idea of show up that when you're asked the specifics, you don't know. And I feel like for my... I the way that I want my friends to show up for me is just to maybe not suggest that I should have a baby on my own. That's like mm. step, step one, but mostly it's just like, I want, I guess it's like the cheesy thing that I said in the piece that I still worry is like still too pat, but like you just want to feel like a little bit prioritized in people's mm. lives, even when it's hard to. And so that like, you know, that the bonds that you're investing in are, getting a sort of return of like, you, you mean a lot to me. I'm going to, I'm going to, I am going to pay a hundred bucks tonight so that you and I can go out to dinner and I can get a sitter. Or like, I am going to remember to follow up about that thing you were complaining about in the text, in the text chain, but I was too busy at the moment to 
to remember to, to, to respond then because I was with my kid and I'm going to explain to you, Hey, I'm sorry. I was with my kid. Let's go back to that thing you were complaining about, yeah. even if it was stupid. And I think that's just like the admitting that you're not going to do it perfectly. And then saying like, I didn't do it perfectly, but like, I'm here now, you know, as like mm. what we can all do. I think mm-hmm. that people get really afraid to say like, Oh, I kind of messed that up. And they just sort of like brush past, I do this all the time. I like sort of brush past it and try just to get to the resolution before I acknowledge that I've like done something like a little bit off. And so I think if you just stop and say like, I was really busy. My kid just like pissed on my foot. I couldn't <laughs> respond to your text. Like now I'm going to respond. Yeah. I think everything would be better. And then for me, I, and I, I, I think, um, one, my one friend who didn't make it into the story, I asked her sort of like, what are some frustrations you have with like, your friends like me who who with who don't show up the way that you want them to. And she mm. was like, I don't expect anyone to show up in any one way. But like, if you say I want a relationship with your child, like I do expect like that, then like you'll try, like you'll come over when I'm at home and like have like a, like a play date with the both of us. Or like, it's not just like the kid is there when you're there, but like, and like you're having lots of one and ignoring his existence. Like you're interacting with him and like building your own little bond with him. And I see how that can be difficult to ask someone or to be asked of someone. But I do think like that is one way I want to show up for my friends is that like, I would like their kid to like recognize me that I'm like part of their family. They're part of their little family here, like part of their, their parents' lives. Um, And that does take some, some like getting over my own, like, ugh, this is inconvenient for me to come over here at four and hang out and play Mm. blocks instead of getting (laughs) wine, you know, like, so that, that, and also like trying to get more into the interior intimate side of their like parent experience where I'm not just sort of like parachuting in and then parachuting out and not Mm. understanding why things are hard for them. Like, I just want to know. The same way I know I knew like all of the details of their like relationships when we were twenty five. Like, yeah. what is their life like now? You know, sorry that was really rambly, but no, yeah. I thought it was lovely, and I think it's also like you kind of I think you touch on this a little bit. Like, it can be weird as an adult to try to connect with a a child, like Big time. And I'm a parent, and sometimes I'm like, I don't know what to say to this kid. Like, I, it's it's awkward. It feels weird, and it's it's also not for everybody. Yeah. I mean, and I feel weird when parents are like, oh, give Allison a hug. I'm like, he doesn't, like, they don't have to do that. Yeah. Like, that's not, it's not going to hurt my feelings if they don't, but it might make them feel weird, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kate, I mean, I, like, I feel like I don't necessarily relate to other kids. In, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then sometimes I see other parents relating to my son in a way that I'm like, oh, that's a cool <laughs> way to be like, yeah, just because you have a kid or or kids doesn't necessarily make you good at being with kids. Like it's, yeah. it is weird and hard and a and a skill that's like we are just supposed to one day someone has a kid and we're supposed to like know how to handle it and hug it and or hold it. I don't know. Kids are weird. Kids are weird. <laughs> okay, well let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. 
So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Could we switch gears a little bit as much? I, I mean, I feel like there is so much more to say about this topic and this article, which everyone should just go read. It's so good. Um, read it. But Allison, while we have you, yeah. you have profiled some of the iconic people of our time. <laughs> um, and I, I'd love to just kind of hear a little bit about your process when it comes to profiling someone like, say, Meghan Markle, just as yes. an example. <laughs> Emily Henry, maybe. <laughs> Loved Emily Henry. I mean, my approach to Emily Henry and Meghan Markle and Cardi and Lena, like it's all, it's all sort of, the, and like Noah since well, maybe Noah since now was different because I had such a weird crush on him. It was really hard for me to overcome my own brain. But I, um, I just try and, I just try and remember, like, you're just a person, too. And, like, that does, like, and so, like, you know, I'm just there to observe and ask and, like, translate best as I can what it's like to be in the room with you as a person. And that's sort of been, like, my guiding principle for all those things. And then it also, like, soothes my nerves when I'm, like, stop and remember, oh, crap, that's that's Mariah Carey. That's not actually just a person. That's Mariah Carey. But, like, if I remember, like, she's just a person. Like, everybody else... Um, the most crass way of putting it is I, I remind myself that everybody, everybody poops. Like yeah. <laughs> that's like sort of my entry point into celebrity profiles is everybody poops just here to find out how, you know? Oh my gosh. I've never thought about Mariah Carey pooping, but now, but it's true. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Do, sorry. Uh, do you like, as a person who covers pop culture and covers these iconic figures, what do you kind of see as the state of pop culture here in September of 2023 coming off of, you know, the Barbie, Bar- Barbenheimer, Taylor Swift's tour, Beyonce's tour? Where are you seeing things pop culture wise? I'm so confused by pop culture in a way that's like almost paralyzing. And I find that I'm um, like, it's just interesting, these big sort of billboard moments of the summer feeling very us grasping for like 2012 in a way Mm. where like culture sort of made sense and was optimistic. Uh, Like, like Beyonce and Taylor Swift being the big headlining tours. It wasn't 2012 when Beyonce, was that like the, was that lemonade? No, that was, that was the year that she had feminism on the, on the screen when she performed at the end at the NBAs, right. Or the VMAs, right. Was that that year? I don't remember. Who runs the world girls that year? Oh, no, I'm like 2016 is. I think Lemonade is 2016. Lemonade is 2016, yeah, because I was. It was like. Oh no, but 2012 is when um she dropped the album, 
by surprise because I was right. at work and we were all like yes. frantically covering it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then she stood in front of that like big sign that said feminist, like in hot pink. And we were all like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, you know, so it is funny to me back in, in that moment where like, it's like Beyonce and Taylor Swift and these like twin pillars of like a, of pop culture that feels almost bygone, but like, it's still yeah. like, we still just like want to feel that good. And the same with Barbie, mm. where I was like not the biggest Barbie fan, and I found like a lot of the the big broad like this is why this movie matters strokes to be really um, like annoying and retrograde in a way. But I do think it's funny that like we just wanted we just like wanted it so badly that maybe yeah. we were willing to ignore a lot of things. It's fine, um, and I'm just excited to see like what's going to happen. Because it can't remain this fractured and it can't remain this sort of like everything's like like the Netflix model where like fine is good enough. Like that's like mm. kind of like what everything in pop culture feels like. Nothing's like truly exciting, which is why we're going back to our big tent pulls to provide excitement. And uh, I'm curious like what's going to happen once the strike comes back or mm. once we like, the guild gets off strike and, and people start releasing things again like what the corrective to all of this is going to start to be because we need to be excited about stuff again and like, yeah. you know, and optimistic and like have fun. But what does that even mean? Let's figure it out. Yeah. Who is, who, who is your, who's your dream profile or like, is there a profile that like, what's the profile that got away? You know, <laughs> like a profile Ooh. that you've maybe tried <laughs> to set up that just like never happened or someone who is like, you would you would love to profile them but it just hasn't happened yet for whatever reason that's a really good question because it it changes all the time um but for a while i i really the one that got away most recently was drew barrymore i was like so curious about her like Mm. her turn into like like sort of our newest talk show gurus and like what it meant about like our cultural vulnerability and you know all like the like all of a sudden the therapy words being like the thing Mm. but i don't even know if i have like a celebrity that i would love to profile anymore because i do find celebrity to be a little like what's going on you know like Mm -hmm. it's not as exciting but i'm I'm trying to think of like an archetype of a person that like i would really want to profile that that answers a big cultural question because i think that's like what i'm always trying to do in profiles is just answer like what like what answer a question about where we are as like a society I'm not mm-hmm. to sound pretentious but that's not that pretentious sorry um and I'm, I guess like right now I'm so interested one of my favorite profiles of all time was this New York Times magazine profile of Dr. Drew when he was doing celebrity rehab because like there was no better sort of like deep dive into his psyche and then like reality tv psyche and then like America's psyche because of like what he was building with that awful show. And so I'm sort of looking for a figure like that because like all of these like weird dating shows have to have like onset like therapists or something. Like there's a person in that world that I'm just like curious to explain some of this little like toxicity that's permeating reality TV culture. And that's an archetype I'm seeking right now. I just want to understand like where the rot is right now. I mean, he's been, he's been profiled a lot, but I do feel like a deep check-in with Andy Cohen, like, kind of needs to happen, especially after all the Vanderpump stuff and, yeah. and his role oh, yeah. kind of, like, behind, you know, he's the puppet master, right? So That's a good point. So 
get on that, please. <laughs> for for <laughs> me. <laughs> But like Taff, Taffy did that Andy Cohen profile, and I was like, can't ever, can't ever touch that again. And then also, but that was years Taffy's, ago. That's true. But like, I don't know. I, I still remember it. If I still yeah. remember it, I can't do it. Yeah. Allison, like career wise, how did you come to where you are as a writer? Like, I know everybody's like, what's your journey? But I think it's such a skill and a specific kind of writing to really explore culture through profiling one person or kind of one unique experience. Is this something that's always interested you as both a reader and a writer? Is it something you kind of fell into? I would love to know just like how professionally this world has kind of like how you, how you got here. Oh man, it's been a really messy ride. Um, Buckling in. <laughs> buckle up. I guess not even like that messy. I was just, at once I was really, really bad at this. Uh, so I went to J school. I went to journalism school. I went to Berkeley and like walked out of Berkeley thinking I was like going to be like a capital W writer right away, even though I had like, no idea what it was like to have a job. And I started at, I started at L and, um, as an assistant and again, like came in thinking like I was going to write deep investigative, like reported features. And everyone was like, you're an assistant. And also like, you don't know what you're doing. And so those like first years at L was really, really messy where I was like way too ambitious and always chipping over my feet and always like messing things up. But one of the things that I found I was good at was those like 800 word, like uh feature well things when like, like Carrie Washington had, but, had like uh, 12 pages of modeling fall coats and they just needed like a little interview right there at the the beginning to justify the 12 pages of fall coats. And those were always really fun to write. And I think someone pointed out because generally people were pointing out things that I was not doing very well. The one time somebody said, you're good at this was (laughs) those little, like those little interviews. And then I started reading a lot of profiles and I was like, Oh, profiles are not, just like about a person they're about like why we care about the person and I don't know why like that a was like news to me b why that fascinated me so much and I like to think it's because I was a psych minor and so that (laughs) means that I really want to understand people Uh um and so then when I got to the cut I just sort of like kept trying to do profiles and all the writers I admired were really good at profiles and um, so I guess I sort of fell into it and I don't, I still don't really understand. This is going to sound ridiculous, but I still don't really understand why I'm like good at it other than like, I don't, I don't have boundaries. And that seems to be why people say things to me. And then I, I got lucky a little bit. And I like to make jokes and those two things together have worked out. <laughs> you know? I hope that answers your question it at does. all, but like, it was, yeah, it wasn't like I always knew. I just sort of fell into something that someone told me I was good at. And then I kept, yeah. I kept going. Well, so. sometimes also it's like hard to see the things that are, we are like, our brains are naturally attuned to doing. Yeah. It's, you're just kind of like, I don't I just know how to do this. And it, it can feel so natural. We don't realize it's a, it's an actual skill that a lot of people yeah. don't have. Well, also um, like yeah. the, the whole world and art of celebrity profiling has changed so much. Like, you know, now you have celebrities like Beyonce and Taylor Swift who are, have just like removed themselves from the whole yeah. apparatus of celebrity profiles. Like they're like, we don't need to do this anymore. Like we are going to do it in our own way, yeah. um, which, you know, 20 years ago was not the case. Even even the Beyonce's and Taylor Swift's still needed um, 
the celebrity profile. So I think in a way as journalists, like that has made our jobs harder um, because celebrities have so many more avenues to kind of like get their specific message out in the way that they want to get it out. Um, And then, you know, if you do get to profile them, often it's like you get an hour like at a lunch and you know it's (laughs) like you don't get the like days of access yeah driving in the desert and people got in the past oh i know jessica presser with channing tatum on a camping trip that will like never happen again yeah right yeah but and it's and it's almost like i don't blame them it's invasive you know it's totally to have somebody like just sort of sitting there watching you you know like (laughs) that's weird i know like that's like one of the things that like I always try to do in profiles is when I ask for access, I'm like, okay, I want this sit down interview, obviously, but like, give me a day where I'm just like riding shotgun on their lives. And then all of a sudden it's like, if I were them and I had a me just sitting there being like, oh, like, I, <laughs> yeah, I would yeah. be so it's horrible. I hate that I have to do that to people. But also to your point, like, I know we've had years of is the celebrity profile dead questions and and then, like, somebody writes a really great profile, and then we're like, no, it's not. Look, it still can be done. But frankly, like, the fight to get those profiles is oh my it's, God. Like, it's too much yeah. for my sensitive old ass. So, like, part of me is really now trying to figure out, like, what does my career as a magazine writer look like without that as, like, my mm. bread and butter? When does your book come out? I'm still, like, very much in, uh, you know, when I first, when I started the book three years ago, it was. I guess I sold it that it was COVID. And so trying to write a book about like sex and like the lived experience of sex during a a very darkly sexless time societally, but also like in my life um, was a challenge. And so I basically have restarted the book and uh, I'm like deep in second attempt of this book. So it will not be out until 2025, which is okay an exhausting thought for someone who sold it in 2020 but you know it only gets better with age exactly it is what it is um allison before we let you go i I, you know we haven't asked interviewees this in a while but do you have any um skincare products that you love that you might want to share with us Ooh, yes okay um i started going to sophie pavitt it's a she's a facialist here in new york and she has this serum i have to look it up i'm sorry i forgot the actual name of it It'll take me two seconds. Sophie Pavitt serum. And it's like, it saved my skin. I have, pro- I have problem skin. I'm always breaking out and I have PCOS. So my hormones are crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, my chin's always breaking out. And this serum has like made everything so much better. It's called the Mandelic Clearing Serum. Wow. And it's like, feels like very Gen Z friendly packaging. So I feel cool and young when I use it. And like, I'm, Oh, I'm 24. Look at me. But it's also making my skin look like it's 24 in the good way. So <laughs> I love this. I've never love heard. That. Is this by Sophie Pavitt the, it herself? Like this is yeah. like themselves? Oh, yeah. okay. Ooh, Sophie Pavitt face. Sophie Pavitt. All right. Look at that. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. very Gen Z friendly. It is. That yellow. Yeah. yeah. That yellow. Yeah. I also love the star face patches. Those are like really. Uh, speak. And that brand is also that exact yellow. <laughs> exactly. So like you'll find me on flights just like dotted with yes. Starface and it's like, yeah, I have acne at 37. What? It's fine. <laughs> Gen Z says this is fine. It's, it's fine. <laughs> um, Allison, this has been really, really so great to get to talk to you. Thank you for doing yeah. this. Um, in addition to finding uh, your work in New York Magazine, um, where can our listeners find you, learn more about you, follow along with your work and life? 
Oh, yeah. Well, I'm uh, Instagram. I'm at baby meatballs. It's hard to find me on Instagram because of that weird random name, but it's baby meatballs. And I'm Allison P. Davis on Twitter, but I don't tweet that much anymore. Um, other than that, you'll have to just find me in person. I'm sorry. <laughs> that sounds great after the last few years. Yes, please. Yeah, yeah I'm just, just find a bar in Fort Greene and that's generally oh. where I am. So, you know. <laughs> Dory and I both once lived in Fort Greene. Oh, oh yeah, that's oh. right. I think I knew that about you, Dory. Yeah. I, that about you, but. I was on Adelphi between Myrtle and Willoughby 20 years oh, ago. Nice. <laughs> Many years ago. It's, like, it's changed so much, but yeah. still a great neighborhood. Yeah. Well, Allison, thank you so much. Thank you, Allison. Mm. Allison, is, she's just so cool. Yeah, I mean, she really... I think I think she just does a really she's I don't want to say like she has her finger on the pulse because that's so like hokey, but I do feel like she is a true like journalist of culture and the ways in which celebrity and identity and all these things kind of intertwine. Mm-hmm. A human full of wisdom. I just, I was, I was very excited to get to talk to her. Also, yes. like big dick energy. That's like you got to brag about that. Totally coining that term. Yeah, I, I tell you what, I, I and I just used big dick energy in our conversation on you our did. Patreon podcast, season one, talking about Seth Cohen. Thank you, Allison. It's really coming full circle. Yeah, and if you want to hear us recap the OC, do join our Patreon because, wow, I have a lot of thoughts on Seth Cohen. And they change from week to week. They really do. I'm on a roller coaster with that guy. It's like, do I love him? Do I hate him? I don't know. I truly don't know. Right now, I like him. It changes every week. It does, which is why we're recapping that show. Mm -hmm. Well, we found ourselves at our weekly intentions, which we do every week. And I will just, I'll just jump in with my own because last week I wanted to have more patience with my kids and I can't even tell you how badly I failed at this. Like failed at it so hard that I found myself and this is vulnerable and I'm going to share it. Can't wait. Falling into the ways in which I argue with my husband, the not productive ways, like my like um, you know, like the trap, the arguing traps that you find yourself in, the oh, patterns. Sure. Mm-hmm. Doing that with one of my kids. Like the oh, shit I said to her in a like a heated moment. I was like, oh my God. Oh no. Yeah, but you know what, Kate? It's really good that you recognize that. I mean, I, I agree. Thank you. Um and I I did I explained like I'm feeling grouchy and I'm having a hard time and here's why. And you know, we talked it out, but I I had some really kind of like shitty parenting moments this week i'm sorry that's okay it's it's human it is it's hard of course um this week i want to really try i think i've mentioned this a lot lately but i am really trying to get some meditation and daily it is helping a lot with my anxiety so i did it this morning i did it yesterday i'm just trying to doesn't need to be every day but just kind of make it something consistent love that kate how about you dor um well my intention last week was just high holidays and I did go to services for Rosh Hashanah. Um, and, you know, Yom Kippur is coming up this weekend. Indeed. Plan on going to services. Um, I did get a friend to go with me 
on Rosh Hashanah, which just like made it, it just like makes it better. And yeah. Henry got really into doing apples and honey. So like, I feel like generally it was all things considered, it was a decent, it was a decent Rosh Hashanah. And I was, I've been invited to a break fast for, you know, the right after Yom Kippur. So I'm feeling good about that. I think COVID really like made a a period that like already feels fraught feel even more fraught because we weren't doing stuff in person and now we're kind of like coming out of it and yeah. that is like feeling good not that covid has gone away but we were coming out of like these restrictions um this week kate i I talked this where we kind of recorded some things out of order. So something that I talked about on the Patreon episode that we just recorded with Jackie is that I finally am like getting rid of some of the baby clothes. Mm. Like I'm selling some of the baby clothes that I'd been like the nice baby clothes that I'd been saving. Um, and it feels really good just like physically to get rid of all that stuff and then also like psychologically and also like financially. And so I want to just like continue that momentum of freeing myself. That's big. It is big. And really intense. So I see you. Thank you, Kate. Well, listen, everybody. Also, it feels like that intention is appropriate for the conversation we had with Alice. <laughs> Seriously. I know both of our, both of my last week's and your yeah. this week's. Weird. Yep. 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 Hmm. Um, well, thanks everyone for listening. Forever 35 is hosted and produced by me, Dori Shafrier, and Kate Spencer, and produced and edited by Sam Junio. Sammy Reed is our project manager and our network partners, ACAST. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>